can believe the hype about your witness. Believe the hype about your witness. This idea, this biblical concept that you and I are all called to be a witness. Let's look at that verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite or dynamic. This explosive power, Jesus says, that's what you're going to receive. When you get the Holy Spirit of God living inside you, you got this power, this advantage, this helper, counselor, comforter, king inside of you. And he says this, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and he goes, this is the next step. Right? God says, you're not just going to receive power so you can just blow up. He says that power is going to move you into action. What type of action? Man, you guys are asking great questions today. <laughs> this is the action. You will be not might be, not one day could be, not one day should be, not if you check enough boxes could be. He says, you will be my witnesses. Jesus says, don't just believe the hype about the resurrection and, and never do nothing about it. Because what happens is if you really believe, the Holy Spirit then will join you and he'll place you on mission to be Jesus's witness. Now, what does the word witness mean? Because he could have used a bunch of different words here. You will be my evangelist. You will be my missionary. You will be my son or daughter. You will be what he says, you'll be my witnesses. Let's go ahead and do a little word study into this phrase, witnesses. It's the Greek word martis. It's where we get our English word martyr which was really mind-blowing for me that the people that we see martyr, those who are giving their life for their faith, those who are having their life taken from them for their faith, it's actually them living out Acts 1-8. They're being his witness. And I have to believe that in the moment where you're killed for your faith, that the Holy Spirit has to empower you in some supernatural ways that we don't even know about. Because you'll receive dunamis power and you will be his martis, his martyr. The word witness means one who is a spectator. It's a two-part definition we're going to look at. This first one is a noun, one who is a spectator. It means that you saw something which now makes you a witness of something. Uh, the city of Cleveland and Ohio really cashed in on this word, literally, <laughs> And they put a life-size sign up uh, in Cleveland of LeBron James and said, we are all witnesses. What they're saying there is that we're all spectators of one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. Saying we should watch them. We should get excited. We should focus. We are all witnesses. We're spectators, right? And Jesus is using that same language here. He's saying that you guys especially in Acts chapter one, that those who were with him physically, he says, you are spectators of me, the God man. I'm the real chosen one. I'm the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I'm the anointed Messiah. I'm him. You're, you're, you're witnesses of that and God's gonna hold you accountable for that. But so are we today. If you've seen Jesus work in your life through his word in your life personally, you are a spectator of what God has done. The second definition is more of a verb definition for witness. To give or serve as evidence. It's used more in a legal setting. To testify. 
would be another word to describe being a witness. To testify means to give proof that something is real. To testify means I'm going to share on behalf of this specific situation and testify that it actually happened. Jesus says that you will be my testifiers, which is why we all have a testimony, amen? And you'll be saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You're called to testify. Look at the person next to you and say, testify. (laughs) Testify. Y'all can do that. Testify. I like that word right there. To give or, or serve as evidence. Jesus says that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you believed in the resurrected Jesus, here's what's going to happen. You, you're going to have to testify about that. That you cannot believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave and just put a zipper over your mouth. That the Holy Spirit in you will break the zipper open and he'll share, all right? If you really do love people and you care about somebody's soul, then you'll need to testify. Jesus says you should believe the hype about your witness. And praise God, you don't witness by yourself. Jesus says, I'm going to help you do it. That's why you need the dunamis power, the Holy Spirit, who helps us, gives us the words comforts us when we mess it up, counsels us on what to say and what not to say. He helps us. We need that. So we're we're talking about the witness this morning. I really believe that there's two primary ways that the Bible instructs us to witness. And I really believe if we get these two down, people will believe the hype about your witness. They'll say, man, you know that stuff that, that Joey and Y are talking about? Man, that's not just hype. That's facts. That, that stuff that Walk Church preaches uh, is actually not just hype. That's reality. And we want to see that happen. You can believe the hype about your witness. Let me give you the first one. Believe the hype about your witness by witnessing with your, say that word with me, life. Did you ever think that your life is a witness for Christ? Somebody once told me, they said, you know what, Hayden, your life may be the only Bible that someone may ever read. That they, that they might just look at your life and will they see the, the, the gospel? Will they see the Bible? Your, your life is a witness. Jesus said people will look at your life and they'll be able to tell your witness. We see this in Matthew chapter 7, right? Jesus in the Beatitudes, which is really talking about how to live life. He says... Uh, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, right? They have the persona of a sheep, but inwardly, Jesus has that x-ray vision into your heart, fam. You're not going to pull a fast one on Jesus, all right? Right, you could be totally checked out right now, but Jesus is checked in, into your heart. Sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Jesus says, how can you tell if somebody's not really living it. If somebody's false, well, Jesus says, look at their life. You'll be able to tell them by their fruit. You know how you can tell if an apple tree is an apple tree? Look at the fruit. An orange tree is an orange tree if there's oranges coming out of it. A Christian's a Christian if Christ is coming out of them. Amen. Come on. I'm... Let me go ahead. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every Healthy tree bears good fruit, 
right? But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses, but I want you to be healthy witnesses. I want you to bear good fruit coming out of your life. And what will happen is people will be attracted to that and say, where'd you get that fruit? What is that in you? Has anybody ever came up to you and said, why are you different? Or what is that about you? Why do you have joy in the midst of pain? Why, what, what is that about your life? I need some of that. What they're doing is they're seeing the fruit in your life. The fruit is Christ. Right? Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. It's, it's Christ producing his life through you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says it like this. Actually, read these words off the screen with me. Ready? One, two, three. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, this is a convicting scripture right here. Jesus says, let your light shine so that people would be attracted to that light and glorify God. In Let me ask you this. Has anybody anybody ever glorified God because of your life? That's a question that we should be asking. Jesus says, if you're shining, people will start glorifying the Father. People will start saying, man, God, I want to thank you for how you're at work in that person's life. Because what you're doing is you're giving off a witness of the light in you who is Christ. Christ is saying today to walk church, be my witness by your life. I like how 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 tells it. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, whether you eat or drink, or notice this, say this with me, whatever you do. I, I don't really know what you do. I don't really care what you do. I just want to encourage you to do it all for the glory of God, all right? Just do it for the glory of God. Do it for, if you're a waiter or waitress or you, you, you're a flight attendant or you're a teacher, an educator, an administrator, a coach, Right? If you work at a church, just do it all for the glory of God. What that means is that it's not about you at the end of the day. You don't get the glory, but God does. That's why we pray before we eat. We say, man, God, thank you for this food. Because even when I eat, I want to give you glory. Even when I take a sip of this drink, I want to give you glory. Whatever you do, give glory to God. The thing that you do, listen to this, the thing that you do doesn't primarily, primarily exist to, to meet your needs. Like you say, man, I work here because I need to pay my bills. Maybe that's secondarily true. Primarily, though, it's there so that you can glorify God. So you have to find dignity in the workplace again. You have to find meaning and purpose at your job again or your sport again, or in your classroom again, or in the home again, Amen. as husbands and dads and moms and brothers and sisters and wives, do that for the glory of God, amen? God says what you'll do is you'll be a witness of Christ with your life. This quote right here uh, almost convicted me so bad I almost didn't even make it today. I was just like, oh man, I just, I don't even, so I'm gonna give it to y'all, all right? Take a picture of it. We'll also post it on our social media. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, 
deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Hits me in the heart right there. That people acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and don't have the lifestyle to match their witness. Does that make sense, you guys? So I know that's challenging, but I think we can take it. And that might even propel us into action to, to be a witness with our life. The second way that we witness, friends, is with our lips. We witness with our life, and we witness with our lips that God calls us to be a witness with the things that we say. And here's what we're a witness to, church. We're a witness to the gospel. The gospel is this Greek fancy word for good news. We're a witness to the good news. That, that, that the message of our faith, man, is such good news, church. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I hope we can all find this in our own life one day, where we can say with confidence, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I love that. He says, listen, listen, Rome and all roads at that culture at that time led to Rome. Paul says, you know, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I love the word everyone. The gospel's for everyone. Right? To the Jew first, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, brought the gospel to his own people. And also to the Greek, uh, some translations say to the Gentile, which means to everybody. To everybody, there is access to this good news. But, as I once heard it put, the good news is only good news if it gets there on time. You could have the greatest news in the world. You could have the cure for a disease, and you could make it to the person's house that has the disease one step too late, and they're gone, and the good news isn't good news anymore. That good news actually will be bad news. They were like, man. Thanks for nothing. Right? I felt like that the other day when, when the NHL apologized for the bad call against the Golden Knights. Can I get an amen? I was like, that we could have used that the other night. That's some good news, but not now. So we're home. All right, let me, I, I digress. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. It's the power of God. Hear me, hear me, church. The gospel is not just about God's power. It is God's power. Here's why you have to be a witness with your lips. You have to. Because the gospel is the power of God. And the gospel is not just good advice or a good option or a good thought. The gospel is good news. And news has to be communicated. News has to be shared. We need to be sharing the gospel and being a witness, not just with our lives, but with our lips. Our lips speak of this good news gospel. And sometimes we have a misuse of the word gospel. We think gospel is the starting line to get us into the race. Or, or we think gospel is the diving board to get us into the pool of Christianity. Let me remind you, the gospel's the pool. The gospel's not just the diving board, but the gospel's the pool that you just go deeper into. This good news reality that we are all separated from God, dead in our sins, we deserve hell, we deserve punishment, we deserve God's wrath. The gospel is that he does not give that to us, he gives that to his son. 
And Jesus takes all of that, dies and rises from the grave and says, let me give you some good news. You can be saved too. That is the gospel. And we can enjoy and experience his life today. And that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that message. And I would challenge you, Walk Church, don't be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul continues. He says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How are people going to get faith in our city? Let me tell you how they're going to get faith. By hearing the word of Christ. By hearing the gospel. There was once a quote that got, got really famous and popular about 100 years ago. We don't know exactly who it was accredited to, but it just began to get a lot of notoriety. And here's the quote. Preach the gospel and use words if necessary. And here's what the quote is trying to get at. Um, you know, it, the intent might be right. Like, hey, you know, preach the gospel with your life. I just talked about that, right? But the quote is actually an error because the, the quote should say, preach the gospel and use words because it's necessary, right? By saying preach the gospel and if necessary, use words would be like me saying, feed the poor and if necessary, use food. That doesn't make sense, does it? Right? Preach the gospel, good news, and use your words because that's the only way it will be communicated. That's how the gospel gets communicated. And we should have a healthy hunger and desire. The Holy Spirit does in us to be his witness with our lips because that's how people will hear from God and will discover their faith. This gift from God is faith through hearing the message. Romans chapter 15, one more verse. Paul says, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not yet known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. That, that's why we love to share the gospel in places that are in such a need. That's one of the reasons why we're excited to plant another church next year in the Mountain's Edge area of Las Vegas because there's over 200,000 people in that location that don't have a church, or at least not enough. And so we're gonna go where it has yet to be named. We're gonna plant churches in places and spaces in our city because right now the, the statistics tell us that 92% of Las Vegas don't go to church. It's not that they haven't necessarily heard it, it's just that they've just rejected it primarily because they haven't seen it with our lives and heard it with our lips. And that's why we need both. And Paul says, I've made it my ambition to preach. Preach means to proclaim with your mouth the gospel of salvation. Let me give you a reality statement. This is what I want you to catch from these two points. People will believe the hype about your witness when you live what you preach and you preach what you live. People will start to believe the, the hype. They'll start to believe your Facebook posts when you invite people to church. They'll start to believe the things that you say about, yeah, I, I love Jesus. They'll start to actually say, yeah, I believe it. I remember once hearing a testimony of famous revivalist and preacher George Whitfield. Whitfield lived in the 1800s, and he would preach these revivals. Or, or I think early 1900s, and he would preach these revivals, and hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people would fill the streets just to try to hear him. 
And I remember one of the early presidents, I think it was the fifth or sixth president, showed up for the revival and everybody was shocked. And the president's uh, uh, partner said, hey, why are you here? You don't even believe this stuff. And he said, I know, but he does. It's such a conviction about what he believed that it compelled people to show up and believe the hype. So I want to get in on that. Preach the gospel with your life and with your lips. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of a network here at Walk Church. Our church plant is part of a, a network called the Send Network. The Send Network is a, a network of church planting a- activity connected to the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the largest denominational convention in our country, especially when it comes to planting churches. And so the Send Network just released a campaign to churches involved with the network that's called Who's Your One? Who's Your One? And I love the heartbeat behind Who's Your One? Because it's trying to get us back to this reality and mentality that there's at least one person in your life that needs to hear the gospel. Whether it's family, friend, coworker, teacher, whatever that may be, who is your one? And the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention is a, a pastor and Bible teacher named J.D. Greer. And J.D. says it like this. He says, we need a white hot passion to see people who are far from God experience the new life he offers through Jesus Christ. And I thought it'd be cool. I want to just show you, can go show you just a one minute video where you can hear Pastor J.D.'s heart talk about who's your one. Check this out. Numbers, we live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything. And sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers and we should, but a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one coworker, one person at a time. We wanna see God move in our nation like we have never seen before, but it all starts with one. I've got my one, and now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? So we're gonna join in this movement with this who's your one passion and campaign, if you'd call it that. And I've decided to take this challenge and say, yeah, who's the one person in my life that I think is ripe for the gospel to hear this message that I'm gonna deliver to them and try to use this as an opportunity to be Christ's witness with my life and my lips. I found that the single most uh, biggest reason why people don't share their faith, why people struggle to be a witness with their life is because they feel ill-equipped on how to do it. It's like, you know what? I want to share the gospel, but I just don't necessarily know how to do it. I want to give you just a quick tool uh, and a way for you to learn how to share your faith uh, with three circles, all right? We're going to call this three circles evangelism. We'll use the whiteboard here. Maybe you're in a conversation and maybe you can share this. If you got a, a napkin or a paper or a pen, you can go for it. Or maybe you can just use this as a tool for how to share your faith. Simple enough with three circles. So let's start with this first circle. We'll put it right here. And, and let me just ask you this first question. How many of you would say we live in a broken world, right? 
And, and I, I bet you we'd get the same amount of hands if we said, how many of you have brokenness in your life, right? We have some type of brokenness in our lives somewhere, whether it's family. A lot of people say, man, I come from a broken home or a broken family or my school's broken. Hey, if you just read the news for one minute, you'll see brokenness on display, won't you? We can't deny that we know brokenness well. Brokenness is a part of our life daily. But the reality is God is over here and God in his original design, there was no brokenness. In God's design, everything was perfect. Because of his love for us, God made us in his image and likeness and there was no brokenness. He created us with purpose. He created us with dignity. We couldn't even have spelled or thought of the word brokenness because that's not who he is and that's not who he made us to be. But the reality is we decided to drift from God's design and that introduced us to brokenness. When you drift from God's design, that's what's called sin. Sin is missing the mark that God has given us, which is to be in his design. God created us in his image, in his likeness, to be with him, to be whole, to listen, love, and follow him. But we've blown it, haven't we? And that's what led us to brokenness. And so we need a solution for our brokenness. We want to fix broken things, but oftentimes we look to things like success to fix our brokenness. Or maybe we look to, you know, uh, relationships. Can you fix me? And, and maybe, you know, for me, I look to sports to fix my brokenness, but a lot of it was really like a boomerang, right? It, 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 it went out and it came right back and it led to more brokenness. And we try to find ways to fix our brokenness, but none of those things can fix our brokenness. They just make us more broken until God says, I'm gonna provide a solution. And that's this third circle. And his name is Jesus. The solution is a purpose and a person. And so right here we see Jesus step in and say, I'm going to fix your brokenness. And what Jesus does is he steps into a broken world. He lives the life that we couldn't live, the sinless, perfect life. And then he goes on the cross and he takes our brokenness upon his back. And he says, all your sin I'm taking, all your brokenness I'm taking, all your pain I'm taking. I'm taking it all away. I'm going to take it from you because I'm perfect and sinless. And he says, here's what you can do. If you can just repent, turn from your brokenness and your sin and believe that Jesus did what he said he would do, what happens is you'll be restored to God's design and you can be the person who he created you to be and you can be in his original design and you can be a holistic, God-fearing, love son or daughter who he's called you to be. You can recover your design. You can pursue God's design and you can be new. And not only that, you can then go and you can go, and you can then go take this to broken people, and then they can get to hear about Jesus, and they can recover God's design, and then we can do this thing together. That right there took me three minutes. Sometimes you just gotta say, hey, will you give me three minutes to just share some pictures with you? And I know that might feel weird, and it might, might feel a little uh, nerve, nervous at times, but I bet you that God would take that moment and, and trust the helper, the Holy Spirit, to step in and to do the impossible, which is save somebody and give them faith. If you want to know more about Three Circles Evangelism Training, 
That was a three-minute version, all right? We're going to do a training, right? It's going to happen next Monday evening at our Walk Church Ministry office. Right behind your chair, or right in front of you, you'll see one of these. It's just an info card for our Three Circles Evangelism training. Maybe you're curious about going deeper. We'd love for you to join us for this night to grow deeper and get equipped to be able to share your faith with confidence. You can also learn more about that and find the times and locations on our app or our weekly bulletin. But does that make sense? You can do it, y'all. Three circles. Brokenness, God's design, Jesus leads to life in him. Remember the two points. Be a witness with your life and be a witness with your lips. And God will take your witness and make much of Jesus and save people for eternity. Let's pray.